Welcome to the Pod Control Podcast, brought to you by Red Hat. PodCTL is your source for containers, Kubernetes, OpenShift, and all things cloud native. Hello, Kubernetes community. Welcome back to another episode of the PodCTL Podcast. I'm Chris Short from Red Hat. Today, we're joined by senior software engineer at Sysdig and Kubernetes contributor, the one and only Marky Jackson. How's it going this morning, Marty? It is going great. Thank you for uh, having me, sir. I greatly appreciate it. So somehow I managed to mangle your name and buddy in the same word. Welcome to Monday morning. We are recording this on uh, Monday, November 11th, which is Veterans Day. And that's why, you know, partially why I have you on the show. We'll talk about that more later. But, uh, you know, this is my first time recording an episode of Pod CTL. So so uh, don't don't go too hard on me. So welcome to the show. <laughs> Uh, this time next week, we'll be getting ready for a really busy day in San Diego at KubeCon. Uh, uh, what are you doing at the conference? Oh, boy. So I am leading the unconference. I am also participating in the new contributor workshop. So a lot of busy time, a lot of fun time. Very excited for all that is going to take place over the next week. Yeah, so Marky and I are both working on the new contributor workshop together this year, and it's uh, Marky has been working on it far far longer than I have. I literally got dropped in uh, after Ansible Fest, so Marky has been leading this charge, and that's why I had him on today. Well, leading, uh, helping lead, I think is the the best term with the Kubernetes community because I don't think there's any like one de facto leader at any time. It's just who's standing up. It's just a matter of who actually can get in and, and do it. And, and everybody really is, puts in a great effort for this. So yes. I'm excited to see what people yeah. get to see. So, yeah, like, what is this, this new contributor workshop? Who should attend? Why is it being put together? Tell us a little bit more about it. So the Kubernetes Contributor Summit is a yearly thing that gets put on by Kubernetes and the CNCF. And, and what it really is meant to do is being contributors to connect and really share face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, at each event, we really there's different goals. And, and really on the San Diego event, we're going to be focusing on growth and sustainability of the contributor base. So a lot of the activities are going to focus around conversations with all of our peers that are generally distributed all over the world. And then they come together for this great like day and we get to see each other that we don't see each other on a zoom or in a slack or in an email uh so this is our time to share all of our ideas and, and really start to prepare for the next year yeah it's funny that uh we put an amount of effort into preparing constantly right like the 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 Kubernetes community helps itself grow tremendously through these uh, summits. So the new contributor workshop, I think, is unique in the sense that you'll have people from like all walks of life coming into the Kubernetes community, right? Like you'll have somebody uh, that's like a network engineer that says, hey, yo, I uh, learned Calico and I need to figure out how to contribute this upstream. So here I am. Um, and then you have people that are like hardcore kernel devs that are like in there as well. That's pretty cool. So Marky, what are you most excited about uh, in the new contributor workshop. You know, what I really, really love about the new contributor workshop is when all of these people come that have not, uh, worked in the community before, and this is their first sort of insight to do something. I love watching these people get super excited about not only learning something, but now becoming part of a community. And then to watch that sort of grow, uh, that just really excites me. Yeah, the the amount of 
uh, what is it, open source, I don't know, mojo that gets jumped into, dumped into my bloodstream during the event is awesome. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's very much um, worth it. The, so you're doing the unconference, and if, if yes. people uh, haven't heard, describe an unconference to folks. So the unconference is essentially like a conference, but it's not a conference. This is where we will have topics that uh, random people can just say, I want to talk about this, and people will vote. And they'll say, I'd love to hear about what this person has to talk about. And then it's set up in such a way that allows interaction between the speaker and the audience. And the idea is, is to let this happen organically and then to have action items that actually come out of what the speaker is talking about hmm. so that people can take this idea and make it something actionable, whether it be a cap or a PR or an issue, something that makes that talk actionable. And that's the beauty of an unconference. This has been put on uh, many times by the uh uh, contributor summit and uh this is my first time leading it so i'm super super excited yeah i think the the best comparison is um was it the open spaces of the devops days but you exactly. actually get some output out of this on conference in the sense that issues are created or prs are submitted or bugs are filed or something's done uh, as a result of these discussions um within the community so the 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 things that you're looking forward to, like thematically, I think maybe might be worth discussing, not to like kind of, uh, you know, bias the pool of people going into QCon. But uh, I mean, there's a few topics going in this year, I think, are, you know, kind of uh, like headline topics, security being one of them. Um, yes. Also, just open source uh, licensing and managing, you know, corporations in the space still like those are two themes so the like uh, from both of those perspectives for me like that's going to be an interesting like view of it what what about it for you you think of the big headline things for just kubecon in general right now for me it's about security as well as observability uh to observe what's going on in your cluster and then be able to secure it in a proactive fashion to me, that's really exciting because it's sort of the space that I work in as well. And uh, I find great interest in knowing what, a, a, let's just say, a cluster is doing or what an application in the cluster is doing. I find great interest in that. Yeah, like I've been doing a lot of research right now into like the standards that are available within like Kate's native APIs to secure workloads. And it's it's a long list of things, but what you get out of like filling in the check boxes on the list is tr a tremendous amount of sandboxing and security. I think that like has to be implemented. If you had to tell somebody, right, like, go oh, look at this, this feature in the API, what would it be in that security realm right now? Um, me, I love anything that comes out of really stats team metrics. So knowing that what you can, what mm -hmm. you can monitor and alert upon in a proactive fashion mm -hmm. is where I think a lot of people are going to get a benefit. Yeah. Which comes to another good question, right? Like we have a tremendous amount of it's happening in any cluster at any given time. And there's a lot going on and being able to parse all that. How do you manage that at, you know, the speed of, you know, containers and, uh, you know, these high, high, highly ephemeral workloads? Well, knowing that, so knowing, 
what your container sort of life cycle is, or just like uh, there was a report that was put out recently by Sysdig, sort of the life of, of a container. And knowing that most containers, or at least I think it was something like 70% of containers, have a lifespan of 10 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. So knowing how you can proactively catch something in that you know short time span and then alert upon it so you can not have that pop up in another cane container it really helps to sort of lessen the attack vector that that could be there. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really interesting. There's a lot of rich data that you can also get from there. Oh yeah, the like when you when you start telling me right, there's a lot of things that I can invent and automate all of a sudden in in you know that that seventy percent use case of ten seconds. People are like, "Whoa, how do I do that?" But it's 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 interesting to me that there's a lot of tooling in the space already with OPA and a number of you know just native uh, things like resource limits that people. You know, are oft not to put in place initially, but sometimes that can bite them in the ass in the end. Uh, you know, <laughs> right? Like, I, well, I, there was a there was an outage on somebody's cluster. I think at, I can't remember which cloud provider it was, but it was literally because there were no resource limits in place on something. And it's like that's yeah, like so... the first thing that I usually start looking at when I'm coding something is like, what is the performance profile so I can lock this thing down so it doesn't chew up all my resources in my cluster. Doing doing the true application performance, like something like load testing, that's such a I would think is a basic understanding of application development, but is highly overlooked. Uh, I think, and that's largely because uh, so much changes so fast in our ecosystem when it comes to Kubernetes, and people are still trying to get uh, up to speed with how to use Kubernetes, and then figure out how to get an application to work there. So they just kind of like throw the you know square peg in the round hole and, and hope for the best. Uh, I think a lot of people use the trial by fire mm. uh, ideal where they'll do it and then they put it in production and they realize, oh, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> well, and that's it goes back to that long you know f- problem of how do we replicate production workload in a test environment. And the fact of the matter is you don't. You have to kind of test and prod, which I think is a kind of a big push right now uh you know obviously blue green deployments that you can do in kubernetes or just you know uh any kind of deployment model you want there's a lot of ways to skin this cat and there's so much coming at you so fast like how do you personally maybe keep up with the the flow of information so uh, uh having a good development mindset or idealism about how you do things so testing locally, understanding what a development environment is and how that development environment works with the rest of your engineering organization. These are things that an individual can have, but you ha- it's almost like a mindset that has to be put forth to the, the engineering organization as a whole. Uh, and I think that requires a lot of good architecture. Sometimes you don't necessarily have all these tools to do that. So you, you have to do that sort of round with a square peg and a round hole thing. Mm. What do I what do I mean by that? Uh, I know what I think should be a best practice. However, there may be a production uh, uh, life cycle that has to happen faster than I can build things out. So you have to start to write your code in a mindset that you're 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 thinking about what you're doing because you don't want to have to have something go bad and a git blame shows you're the one that you know <laughs> didn't give enough thought to that process. Uh, and I've been that person that's done that where I have to sit in front of, you know, 
an executive and explain why my code took down prod. I could tell you some real horror stories in, in previous lives of having yeah. a sit yeah, I, CEOs. Yeah, I can I can tell you about many a config changes that I've deployed that where it's like, oops, that didn't have the intended effect. Uh, <laughs> let alone like actual code changes that definitely didn't have intended effects. Um, so yeah, like that kind of brings me back to like a topic is that uh, you know people feel really intimidated by Kubernetes because of all the eventing and everything else that can happen inside of it and the, the number of layers that it you know abstracts away. But every year, the new contributor workshop fills up quickly. Why do you think that, like, paradigm exists? Kubernetes onboarding is tough. I got to really be honest with you. Understanding the code base is not for the faint at heart. (laughs) I know there's a lot of initiatives that are in flight to make that better. An example is I'm currently working on overhauling the uh, developer's guide. But I think because Kubernetes is is not only one of those buzzwords that everybody's talking about, it's also a tool that you know is so awesome because it makes the the infrastructure experience better, the orchestration of the application so much better. Mm-hmm. People want to know more about it. And all of the large Fortune 500, 100 companies are now knowing, they're recognizing this and they want, they need to be on Kubernetes. So they're telling their organization, I need you to learn this and everybody's super excited. Now you top that off with the community that's so inviting and mm-hmm. welcoming and, and helpful as the Kubernetes community, that help, like people see that, they see all the, the, the niceness that's happening. So I think that's another reason people want to be a part of this. Yeah, I think that is a very, very, very good point, right? I don't think I've had a negative experience in the Kubernetes community, like with a member or, you know, company or anything like that. Um, as far as the, the the overall feeling, I think that's what people learn at the summit and then kind of take back to their companies that they can then help drive kind of some of that that culture change i think as i've mentioned on you know numerous podcasts is kind of the hardest part of adopting you know velocity at this rate of change right like yeah it's it's super hard to wrap your mind around yeah i need to write this code with the idea that it's not going to be performant enough to do what i think it is or it's going to be falling over constantly if i don't do it right And the beauty about this community is that you're able to have this sort of like edge case that you're thinking about and ask the community and people will be nice in their response. Mm -hmm. They're not going to, they're not going to say, Oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. People are really nice in their responses. That's one thing I've, I've not seen in, in, and, and I've worked in a lot of open source communities. I've not seen the way that this works and I can't understand like, I don't think it's the code of conduct that made this happen, hmm. but something is there and people like it. They lo- forget like it, they love it. And that's what draws me to this community. Like, exactly. I see these people that make me feel like welcome. Yeah, same here. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, we're recording this on Veterans Day and there are a number of veterans actually working in the Kubernetes community right now. Uh, Myself, you, a few others. And you mentioned, you know, that what is it that brings you into the Kubernetes community? What is it do you think that brings veterans into the same, you know, kind of fold uh, on top of what you've already mentioned? 
As a person that has deployed to a war zone, uh, I can say that coming out of military life and into civilian life is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's extremely hard. Uh, I think veterans, active duty and you know reserved and, and retired, like this community because of its welcomingness. It's you know it's very it's. It just is an empathetic mm-hmm. environment. I also think the toughness of Kubernetes is inviting as well. Hmm. And I think a lot of veterans find that they're always up for a good challenge. And when they can be given a set of instructions and they know that there's a way that they they, they can be successful, they're going to always try to, they're going to be gravitate towards something like that. And I think that's why the Kubernetes community has a good veterans pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it's, it's, it's two things. It's the challenge of something that's global a, and then B is the camaraderie of the team that I'm working with. So when you put those two challenges together, it does give you that feeling of, you know, like being back in that team that you felt like you could literally do anything in uh, within reason. So the, if asked, obviously. Um, so with that, what do you think we can do more as kind of a Kubernetes community, you and I both being contributors? What do you think we can start with, you know, at this KubeCon to kind of get more veterans on board? I want to talk to more veterans. I want to make them uh, understand that they're not alone and that there is not only a community that's going to help them out with technical challenges, but also help them integrate back into civilian life with ease. I want to make veterans feel welcome. Hmm. I want them to know that the brotherhood that they had did not go away once they left theater or they left their units. I want them to know that. And I think if we can create that environment, we can really, I think we could expand, just make it, just even make it greater. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like the, the stress or the anything else that, about it that we're trying to like, you know, draw veterans to. It's the actual experience, right? Like it does hit those same like dopamine spots in your brain contributing to kubernetes and working with the community yeah it's 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 kind of weird but like yeah you do (laughs) you do work through github you know you send something downrange and it comes back and turns out it was great right like and and you get feedback and you get feedback immediately right like the tracer rounds are there (laughs) the (laughs) the 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 amount of, of like just helpfulness Right, like if I screw up something in Slack, this happened last week, I think. Uh, actually, I still need to fix it. Uh, a PR I'm working on. Um, like you know, like Dems will chime in and he'll say, "Hey, yeah, I think all you need to do is this, but you might want to check with so and so." And you know, I'll send a message to so and so, and then maybe three, four hours later, once they wake up, because whatever time zone they're in, they get back through like, "Hey, try this," and I'm like, "Oh, cool, that worked." And then yeah. here you go. Like, what do you think, community? And there's like more feedback, more tweaking, and then off it goes into you know into a released uh, project that is like literally touched by like you said all the Fortune 500. It's pretty cool. The 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 ability and the the feeling of achievement when you like what you just described, and I have a similar experience that recently just happened. I was asked to do something, mm-hmm. and 
I, I had not done it before. Yeah. Like I had no idea. So I had to go figure this out and it was a challenge. Yeah. And I got it done last night and the PR was merged. And I'll be honest with you, I sat there and I was like, I felt good. Yeah. I felt good. I feel alive right now. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm yeah. not dodging anything. I'm not getting yelled at by a drill yeah. or, you know, a, a full bird kernel. I, and that was like, that's that feeling. And I was like, wait a minute, this is tech. This is yeah. like I'm writing code. And why did I feel that same? And then I was like, there is a parallel here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want veterans to understand, that you can do this because you did crazy other things right this, like this you did doable. stuff that people in this community might not be able to do on their own but guess what they're doing stuff that you might not be able to do on your own and they recognize that and they that's welcome the that that's the beauty of it like in my opinion so if we can create an environment like that uh you know we have a lot of diversity lunches uh, uh those are those are mm. awesome like yeah. we, i do want something that veterans know that hey you're not alone here right Brother, sister, come on. Yeah, brother, sister, they, them, I want you with us. They, right? Like exactly. I, I don't, I, I, I need your skills. I want your help because I know it'll help you too. You know, <laughs> right? Like that's, <laughs> it's, it's circular, right? Yep, yep. So awesome. All right, like, so let's you and I talk at KyoCon. Obviously, we'll be in the same rooms together pretty much a, a lot that first day. Uh, so after that, let's have a you know brief discussion and see what we can build on with this. Okay, that would be great. That would be great. And I know there's other veterans that I've talked to in the community that are looking for something like this. So yeah, totally. we can give them something, even to help them, like to have them be a part of it and help them build something. It gives everybody that sense of accomplishment, and the community, the Kubernetes community as a whole, benefits from everybody being at right. the table. Yeah, everybody at the ta- everybody having a seat at the table is something that I think the Kubernetes puts like out there, right? Like you are here, right? All it takes to be a member of a SIG is to subscribe to the mailing list. To be a contributor, exactly. there's a like to be an official Kubernetes contributor, there's a process and it's documented, right? You like documented processes. I know you do if you're a veteran. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it, it's it's it is inviting. It is it does seem daunting at first, but there's people here to help. Exactly. And that's you know, people like you, people like, you know, uh somebody that's helping me uh is the shadow on the unconference. That mm-hmm. was Cody. Cody yeah. Uh, at the crudge uh he's not done this before right and seeing him get involved and just like what can i do what can i do that chop wood carry water yeah that resonates with everybody i know it resonates with veterans yeah like i remember uh last year uh the same event right like i didn't really walk in with any like assigned tasks other than give me things to do when i get there kind of thing um mm-hmm. You know, I had, like, some parts to play, but they weren't until later in the day. So, like, that first hour, everybody was filing in. I was just in the back plugging away on something. And then uh, when I got back into, like, the groove of the conference, it was just immediately just jump up, grab something, help. It was was literally like packing up to go on a deployment. It felt like it was wild. (laughs) I have to admit, are you talking about the Seattle one? Yeah. The Seattle one was difficult for me when I first got there. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you know this, but you were the first vet that I talked to. And we talked about Qatar and uh, uh, it made me feel automatically at ease Oh, because good. I was like somebody somebody knows 
somebody's been there. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. They know the feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable now. So I, you know, give you thanks a year later. No, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had issues last year because the security was just like, oh, you can't go up there, blah, blah, blah. But whatever, you know, that's that's event staffs for you. But yeah, that, right, that was yeah. fun to have to deal with that. Like, it was invoking those fun, you know, E6 skills that I had again. <laughs> this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, here's my orders. Uh, do you need me to get somebody on the phone here to talk to you? You know, that kind this of thing. This is my right? deployment like, sheet. It's got everything. Right. Like, it was just like that. But, it, it, you know, it was just like one of those things. I got there too early. They weren't ready yet kind of deal. So, again, another yeah. one of those veteran things, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, like, it was great having you on, Marky. I really appreciate your time this morning. Happy Veterans Day to you, sir. Thank you very much for your service. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Likewise, sir. Thank you for your service. Thanks for having me on. And thanks to everybody in the community. Uh, this is, it is really an amazing thing. Yes, indeed. I agree. All right, folks. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Pod Control Podcast. You can find everything about the show at podcast.podctl.com or at PodCTL on Twitter.